Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's this fancy new business theory. It's called Make More Than You Spend, and you've got a king podcast. Welcome to another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. We're in the middle of our succession series, talking episode by episode. It's been a great run, and we're looking forward to continuing. Today is episode five, entitled, I Went to Market. But first, we've got to talk to Barnburner sponsor, Blue Note Bourbon. Blue Note Bourbon is a locally distilled, small batch bourbon. It's good. It's delicious. It's smooth. It is the Roy family's. Favorite whiskey bourbon. Check it out. Blue Note Bourbon. Be noteworthy, Memphis. And now, let's go kick it with the Roy family. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Thanksgiving, Grandpa. Not to the Indians. No, that is still true. The only way he'll respect you is if you try to destroy him, because in your position, that is exactly what he would try to do. Are you thinking of moving against your dad? If he's not careful, he's going to destroy the company. Ever hear of loyalty? Sure. Wasn't he one of the seven dwarves? Everything isn't about money. We could get you a fucking nut. We're eating family style. Well, almost like we're a family. Down in the pigsty, everyone. Our fans of this podcast. I only hope we don't get overruled by the jerkies, fellas. We are chopping it up, boys. What's happening? This is another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network, where we're talking HBO's family drama, dark comedy, Succession, episode by episode. We've been really enjoying the series. Farmer Barn, what's going on, man? What have you been up to? Not a lot, man. Ready to go tonight. Uh, only a little disappointed that I didn't get to eat dinner before we did this because uh, I got the old rumbling tom. <laughs> what about you, KCB? What's going on, dude? Still here, halfway through the season, still uh, still ready to talk some succession. Hey, do you remember this episode? Wait, which one are we doing? Uh, episode five, entitled, I Went to Market. Oh, I just skipped that one. I don't, uh, I don't care about the markets. Oh, yeah, me neither. So, like, uh, yeah. Okay, so you'll provide kind of, like, some color commentary here, but is, you won't actually know Is this an economics anything. podcast that I can yell at? <laughs> I think so. I think so. So let me give you a quick plot summary. This is um, episode five. I went to market halfway through the season. After hearing Logan's plan to expand to local TV, Kendall begins to plot a vote of no confidence against his father. Bum, bum, bum. Meanwhile, Greg drives his honorary grandfather, Ewan, from Canada to New York for a Thanksgiving reunion with Logan. Tom grows increasingly concerned about the terms of his prenuptial agreement with Shiv and recruits Greg for a clandestine task. And the family is surprised by Connor's choice of date at Thanksgiving dinner. Shout out to Rotten Tomatoes for their little summaries. That was a pretty damn good summary, I thought. They really care on Rotten Tomatoes. They do. They care about aggregate things, though. So like little minutiae they're not into, but uh, you know, that's kind of the, the, the tomato meter thing. 
you like think Joaquin Tomatoes, Phoenix. You think Waystar would be interested in acquiring uh, Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, no doubt. They probably already own IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. If Kendall was in charge, though, <laughs> Logan would want to acquire like MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let, let's get into this episode, guys, and, and just talk some general aspects of the episode. So let's start with, I think, one of my favorite parts about the episode, which is the road trip, not starring Tom Green, with uh, from Canada to New York with Ewan and Greg. Love their camaraderie. Love how much Ewan hates Greg, and uh, and really just enjoy watching those two actors sit in a car and uh, and hate each other a lot for long periods of time. Uh, what did y'all think about the uh, the road trip? Oh, dude, it was funny, um, especially to see how uncomfortable Greg is around his grandfather. I mean, you can just tell that it's like, oh, this is going to be the longest. I think they said like what, like ten hours? Um, Twelve hours and twelve minutes as Greg stares dejectedly at his phone screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to mention that you know, I'm, I know we're going to get into this, but uh, when you're getting calls from your boss who is berating you on speakerphone in front of your grandfather, that's always fun too. So. We'll save the quotes from that one, but yes. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that was an incredible scene. Um, also, you know, you, you got to be able to quote. You got to be able to yell at Economics Podcast. You got to be able to quote Bertrand Russell. You got to be on our toes with Ewan. Ewan's coming in hot with like, these very applicable quotes and wildly different from his brother Logan. What, what do we think? How do we think these guys ended up diverting their path? Like what? How's Ewan this guy and then Logan's that guy? Do you find? Let me ask before you before I answer that. Do you find anything more out about Ewan as the series progresses? Not a ton, really. I mean, what do you think, Chief? I, I wouldn't say that anything of too significant of a note. No, not not a ton. No, uh, and, and I mean, of course, there's been renewed a second season, so it might be uh, in the future. But no, sure. I mean, this episode really tells you the background that we know thus far, for the most part. Well, then obviously, Marsha says that there are two noble stags who can't stop fighting. So there was probably a woman involved somewhere, and Logan Logan won by pissing on Ewan's, uh, like in his, they both had sweet, like 1975 uh, GTOs and judges, and, and uh, Logan pissed in Ewan's, and a girl got in and didn't like the way it smelled, and Logan won, and there's been enmity ever since. I would That's say, what I imagine happened. I would say for me to... Uh quote the great Steve Buscemi and his small little cameo in uh, an underrated, underrated and amazing movie, Big Daddy. Um, for a lot of people, Fantasia was awesome. But for me, it was like kind of the doing mushrooms era. <laughs> and that's kind of what I would picture. Um, you know, Logan's like really invested in watching Fantasia. I'm trying to figure out like, there are some plot holes in this. I'm not quite sure where this is going. And Dude, Ewan's just straight doing boatloads of shrooms. He's also just shutting down Greg at every turn in conversation that Greg tries to get into with just merciless, merciless, just malice almost. Like every time Greg tries to connect with his grandfather, you know, obviously, yeah, old Gramps taking the old road trip. Uh, Gramps, happy Thanksgiving. Not for the Indians. <laughs> <laughs> you immediately get who this guy is like completely negative grumpy old man lives by himself on like a ranch kind of it seemed like went the opposite direction whereas logan went into business you and went more the connor route i guess although he's nothing like connor uh, when you say there are still you know as different as they are there's also some similarities there right like they both have pretty like domineering personalities um come off as being pretty cold people that almost appear entirely incapable of 
any sort of human affection or emotion. Um, but yeah, it's funny to me because that scene with him and Greg and how, as you just mentioned, chief, he just like cuts him off at every turn, even though, yeah, Greg's super awkward. Um, he wants to spend some time with his old gramps, you know, and really dig deep and emotionally invest. And Ewan's Get like, that board seat. Ewan is like, you are an Uber driver to me that I refuse to speak to over the next 10 hours. I think that Greg, yeah, does secretly want that board seat. He suggests, tries to incept Ewan with the quick little, hey, maybe you just uh, retire and sit back on the ranch and, you know, enjoy the rest of your, the rest of your years. You look fondly on yesteryear. But very parallel to Tom's comment in the hospital when he says, if you need me to, to get a drink or grab you some food or run the company, you see a lot of a lot of young Tom and in, in old Greg, <laughs> a lot of young Tom and old Greg. And because I didn't really know who Bertrand Russell was until watching this episode, <laughs> I got a quote for y'all. I'm just putting it out there that Greg's just the secret Sith. OK, like so I know we already have, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll get more into that later. Let's he was waving it. his hand an awful lot he as did. he was talking to Bram. <laughs> Those were the documents he was looking for. You, know? you will right. give up your board tricks. <laughs> you will give up your board seat. He was uh, like, why the fuck are you doing that? Like, stop talking. And, and Logan's mind is slipping here too, guys. We got a, a guy that is, is straddling the line between competency and had too many like natty lights at the tailgate, you know? And my guy is just spilling shit everywhere. Like he, he's in his office. Like that coffee looks so delicious. I was so mad to see it spilling on the tray. I'm sure, it was delicious, premium choice. And instead, my guy's just spilling it all over his fucking desk while he's yelling at his kids about being pieces of shit and totally big leaguing them in every fashion. So sorry to see uh, some Java spilled. Do y'all think Logan is all there, or is this an act, or what's going on with with our guy Logan here? Logan and liquids, man. Two things that do not go together well. Um, that is very abundantly clear. Uh, I would say, I, I don't think he's all there. I mean, you know, brain hemorrhage, it's not exactly like a, you just go on the six-week physically unable to perform list, and then you come back and you're suddenly ready to be thrust back into the starting lineup. Um, I think that's more of like at least a season or two ender um, until you are rehabilitated enough to be back in the starting lineup. Um, I just think, you know, they're dropping some hints to us in terms of spilling the coffee and shit like that, as well as some other things that we will discuss later on. Um, yeah, he just, he has these like flashes of what I would say are his old self when he's speaking business, um, which would clearly be something that's second nature to him considering that he's done it as long as he has, and he's been as successful as he is. Um, but then, you know, next thing you know, he's like in zombie land zoned out, staring straight ahead and like pissing his pants. So not a good, not a good episode for old Logan. Uh, he, he's making some decisions that get questioned by pretty much everybody business wise. And, uh, then he's doing the, he's filling the coffee. As Sam mentioned, there's some other stuff we're going to get into later, but, um, not a good look for the old CEO of Waystar Royco. Yeah, tough hang for Logan this episode. But there's this fancy new business theory. It's called make more than you spend and you're king cunt. And you get to be king cunt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tough episode for Kim on pop, as Roman would say. Uh, he really he, he wants to acquire local TV. And then in that sense, apparently they become a monopoly. So uh, there, there's a lot of uh, some some Jerry wonderings about, you know, this stuff and. 
Jerry seems to support the old guy, really, whatever endeavors he wants to do, because, you know, ultimately he has got her where she is. Uh, so he wants to send Kendall back to China or Dubai or wherever the fuck, I think is what he says, uh, to oversee some other stuff. Essentially, read, get Kendall the hell out of New York in a way so he can continue his controlling of the company. And you can start to see the first signs that Roman and Kendall are not so happy with the way things are going. And when they walk in and Logan's like, oh, here they are. Here are the top minds. We brought in the top minds. And, and <laughs> it's just like, he's so mean, man. It's like unbelievable how mean this guy is, like to his, to his kids. Like, Imagine a lifetime of dealing with that. Dude, that would be unbelievable. Like there, there's no way you come out of this as a functional human being. Like, and they clearly none of them did, but uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's intense, man. Okay. Well, let's, you know, let's talk a little bit about Kendall then. So Kendall is pissed. His dad's acquiring local TV. It doesn't fit Kendall's tech bro future you know that he wants to install in, in waystar he starts to kind of feel things around and uh, and see who might be on his team first he goes to roman roman points out the one thing that might define this show i think roman's quote is the only way logan will respect you is if you try to take him down because that is exactly what he would do if you were in his position which really i mean that should be the the, the short plot of all 10 episodes and and of course roman kind of jo- like goads him a little bit and makes fun of him and but at the end of it says, I don't think you're basically, you don't have the balls to do this, but you can see Kendall, the gears are starting to turn and Kendall is starting to think that maybe he goes for the vote of no confidence. <laughs> I think we're done here. I think we could rack up, wrap up the podcast. I don't even know if we need to do future episodes because that pretty much shuns it up. Um, the son versus the father, uh, you know, the upstart occasionally, well, I would say more than occasionally fuck up against, you know, the old goat, um, which, if you remember last episode, he talked about, uh, yeah, let me get myself together before I see the old fucking goat. Um, yeah, I mean, it's that seed's been planted, whether it was Roman that planted it or not, or Kindle had already been thinking about it. Um, it's now ready to be watered, cultivated, and bloomed. Yeah, we definitely see him feeling it out the first few episodes, and then we are... Episode four was big for that, defining the relationship of Logan and Kendall. Logan says, I see you. And uh, basically, it's time for the come at me, bro, uh, of the series. And um, if his mind hadn't already been made up, if Kendall's hadn't, then Rome pretty much does it. As as Chief said, he goads him into challenging him and basically saying what's got to be on Kendall's mind is what would he do to me? Then Kendall says, I can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we really get that moment of the Bane where he does the come at me both uh, arms and he goes, I am the League of Shadows uh, and I'm here to fulfill Logan Roy's destiny. I really just wanted to do a Bane impression on a podcast. With, the Dark Knight Rises podcast is 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 on the horizon. I can see it. And it's just going to be me for an hour and a half doing Bane quotes. And honestly, like if that's... That'll be that's really entertaining. Yeah, well, for also... You. For, for you. <laughs> how long how long before uh tom hardy's on succession i feel like it's coming right yeah if he is gonna do a crazy ass voice because all he does now is like yeah th- there's like a lot of talk about how bane broke him and now he can't no, no pun intended <laughs> and now he can't uh like do a regular voice like he's always doing like some crazy voice or like the mad max voice where he's like <laughs> like grunting the whole time like it's uh it's weird tom hardy got something going on man just take me back to inception tom hardy the suave british guy Where's Warrior. That That's what I want. I want Warrior. I want Tommy. Yeah, Tommy, but he's doing the whole like Boston th- or you know like New York thing or wherever the hell they are. That's but he pulls it off. Yeah. Okay. Quick little Tom Hardy aside for y'all on the Succession podcast. 
Um, well, let's move on to uh, Tom and Shiv, the prenup talk, which uh, some might say uh, Tom's lawyer, read his mom, uh, might say it's a little unconscionable. You know, it's just a legal term. It's just a legal term. And it simply means like, holy shit, like Shiv's going to control my entire destiny even well after we get divorced. And like probably every kid that I ever have, even by another woman, will be subject to like involuntary servitude under this, uh, <laughs> under this prenup. A uh, fun little plot line, you know, that's kind of the light amidst this fairly dark episode. Which is really anytime Tom comes on the screen, like you're just like, you're just ready to laugh and, and just see how he encounters any situation. Uh, I think he's really hit his stride and Tom just keeps going up, man. Like he's on a meteoric rise right now in the series. No infidelity uh, clause. What do you think of that, uh, KCB? Yeah, he's, uh, I'm as worried as Tom was, uh, as, as you can tell with their kitchen conversation. Um, and she, you know, Shiv tries to be real lighthearted about it, but, uh, a, a good quote, maybe not my favorite, but I, I don't travel that much. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, things happen when you travel business you know, trips. You, I, don't, I don't really travel. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we don't know that yet. Maybe, maybe Tom's going to be going on some cruises in the future. <laughs> you know, shit happens, you know, yeah, but, but not to us, like, but shit happens. That's why that phrase exists. Shit happens. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then I love Roman just sitting off to the side like a mischievous imp, and after yeah. just leans forward and goes, "I believed her." <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, "Of course, she does teach people how to lie for a living." So there's that, and then he just leaves. Like Roman's just, like so jokerish in this episode. He's just walking around like dropping stink bombs as he does. Roman is that little gnat that just like keeps landing on your neck and you're trying to slap at, but you never get. And yet he's also the fucking fly on the wall. That's hearing every single conversation and is there to deliver a one liner right to your heart when you least want to hear it. He is so mean, dude. (laughs) (laughs) He says that one thing that that you like, you just don't say, and he says it in the meanest way possible, but then acts like it's a joke. So you can't like throw hands necessarily. Yeah. It's uh, it's wild, man. But he's he's very fair with who he supports. He he's not like digging into any one person. He's just he like he just says the random meanest thing he can. It doesn't matter who it impacts. That's a good that's, point. That's, he's an equal opportunity. Yeah, uh, he's very just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk for a second about how Roman and his his lady have like kids? I mean, was anyone else surprised by that? I'm still lost by it. I I'm I am lost with what's going on there because i are those are those his kids one of them was i took it as one of them was his kids yeah and like it's so weird because they haven't even they i think intentionally have remained like very vague about that relationship and yet it's like are you know are they married like those this the pilot the adam mckay it's it's like the J, what J.J. Abrams possibly did to Ryan Johnson with uh, throwing some throwing some lines into the uh, old story that may not have made sense and then just got quickly abandoned. Yeah. Uh, that seems that that kind of seems to be one of those lines right there. Is was is Roman? What's going on with Roman? Do we just ignore it and move on? Well, and like I would say too, in the larger scheme of things as well. I mean, I, I think we've touched on this too. Like, is anyone else getting some like really weird? if not bisexual, maybe even homosexual vibes from Rome. Like he loves to make jokes, but it's also like they, they make it a point of mentioning that like they're never having sex and stuff. It's, I don't know. I think he, I think Roman can be a very confused little boy. A guy Rome doesn't know what he wants sexually or in life either. He, 
I've been hitting at this for a while, man. This is one of my, like, this is one of the chiefs things here. This is a, the Rome sex thing. I, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, and and every also joke is ass related. Every pump up that he gives himself is ass related. Yeah. He just really likes asses. Yeah. Yeah. True. And uh, maybe not necessarily of the female persuasion. Uh, I, I will say that had not even for a second thought about the, those kids and where they came from, but it's gotta be theirs. I just assumed they were like, Man, I don't even know what I told myself. One girl was Rava and Kendall's. There were two girls sitting on the couch. There's two two girls are Rava and Kendall's. The turkey. No. Rava and Kendall's. Yeah, the one. Was that a joke at Iverson's expense? (laughs) No, man. Iverson's pretty rude. Iverson's got some stuff going on, too. But our our guy Iverson probably needs to uh, take some uh, don't be a little bitch classes. Man, I was so proud of him at the end when he like. You, you lost, Grandpa. <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, that was he, good. He, did it. he stood up to the old goat. Yeah, it was. He, he pulled the like, um, you know, doing what my namesake would have done, which is like step over Ty Lue in the finals. <laughs> you know, so. cross him over in the corner because surely to come back like Jordan. Eh? Well, I'll just give you a crossover. <laughs> surely you gotta think that you know when Kendall and and Rava had little sweet Iverson. She was like, what are we thinking we want to name him? And Kendall was like, Iverson. And she's like, oh, I like that. And he's like, after Alan Iverson. Yeah. She's like, who the fuck is that? What? Kendall loved AI for sure. That was like his favorite basketball player at the time. Probably had a pair of AI shorts. He had a shooter uh, sleeve that he wore into the oh, office. No, no doubt. He probably has a spider web tattoo on his elbow that we haven't seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> the shooter sleeve of he probably does think he has like a mean crossover too i bet kendall thinks he's a hooper kendall is 1000 percent the guy at the ymca that thinks he's like incredibly good at basketball and yet actually he's uh he's ted cruz that recent montage if yeah. you were lucky enough of seeing that he's ted <laughs> cruz trying to play basketball and he's just freaking sandy lyling it from along came polly like let it rain and it Five on five competitive game of pickup, and the other four teammates are like, "What the fuck?" Fade away, so bad. Very true, very true. Uh, Thanksgiving from hell, really. A lot of passive aggressiveness, and the the showrunner even talked about how at, at holiday events like this, there's so many things going on in terms of all these underlying layers that no one wants to talk about, and it really does. Like, I mean, every family has their skeletons, and this family just seems to have just quite a few more than most. But it is a just a cringeworthy series of events throughout the entire Thanksgiving to watch all these pieces come together. But before we get there, let's talk Tom, man, in, in, in his arc with Greg. He's got a plan regarding the, quote, cruise problem. And, uh, and he, he, needs, uh, he needs to retain some assistance with this. You know, he needs uh, to actually get rid of a bunch of documents and shred them and then do an electronic scrub of everything. Uh, nothing specific, but then they're going to specifically scrub everything. And they, he needs he needs help with this. He needs to make sure that he has someone to come help. It's someone not necessarily expendable, uh, but you know that that they'd be uh, that they'd be okay to 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 fire and uh, giving someone an opportunity to shine. You know, and then immediate cut to our guy Greg, and uh, that's a, just a fantastic arc of this episode. What did y'all think of the Tom plant? Uh, I mean, is this like a nice little segue for us to get into the the car phone conversation between Tom and Greg with old uh, with old Grandpa Ewan present? Yeah. At first, let's talk. Like, I just love the guy, like Tom's guy, like that comes in and just like, who is that guy? Is he like a a PI that Greg hired or that Tom hired to help out, or is he is he Tom's personal lawyer? 
Um, I love that guy. He's like, <laughs> he's not fully committed because he's not going to be in there shredding the documents. Right. Yeah. He's like, someone needs to sign out the documents. And Tom's like, well, I can't do it because, uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then he's like, what, can you do it? He's like, I mean, I could it, like, there's just, there, there's a lot of funny little what moments about, there. What where about no- the, uh, Iranian revolution. Did you, did you know that the students actually taped back together the shredded document <laughs> for the USMC? <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah that was that was just that entire interaction was really funny uh okay so now so then so greg realizes his guy immediately i'm sorry tom realizes his guy and makes a phone call straight to our guy greg with his with you and road tripping probably four hours in uh, <laughs> greg probably had to pee for like three hours but you and won't let him stop and, and just forcing him and you know i mean greg's a safe driver this we know about him he's a guy he has the uh the uber setup he has the phone in the little pouch on the dashboard he has the you know the charger plugged in. He has his GPS constantly going, even though it's likely like six hundred miles of interstate driving. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh, but still, Greg's not going to get lost, damn it. And so he answers the phone, you know, and and uh, he answers Tom's call, and of course Tom's on speakerphone. What happens next? Hey, buddy, what's up? Hey, Tom. What's going on? I'm going to see you in the office anytime soon. Uh, not that soon. Uh huh. Uh huh. Actually, driving. What's your ETA? Uh. About 12 hours, I'm, I'm, I'm in Canada. Excuse me? Canada? Canada with the healthcare and the ennui? Why is that, cocksock? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm driving my grandpa down for Thanksgiving. Oh, Greg, fuck your grandpa. You, okay, you're on, you're on speakerphone, Tom. Well, I shouldn't be, Greg. I know, I, but I'm driving, so I can't, like... Th- so you are, you're still on it. Okay, Greg, so, um... Hurry up, because I got a little job for you, and uh, yeah, I'm being nice, because I'm on speakerphone, but if I wasn't on speakerphone, I'd be being, should we say, somewhat less agreeable? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? All right, see ya. So, yeah, it's good. It's rough and tumble. Fuck your grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, there actually is that. He did say, fuck your grandpa. <laughs> he calls him, like, cock meat or something. He calls him, like, cock sock, or cock sock, that's what he calls him. <laughs> Fuck your grandpa. You're on speakerphone, speakerphone, Tom, and you like pause and he goes, Well, I shouldn't be, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) Golly, man. Dude, that that just oh man, Tom is so good in in this he's he's really just good in every episode, but the way he delivers that, well, I shouldn't be, Greg, is is really, really good. And then he's like, and now I'm gonna tell you I'd be a lot meaner if we were I weren't on speakerphone, but just know that like and it's just it's good stuff, man. That entire interaction is just a dichotomy of or not a dichotomy, but like a microcosm of their relationship. So hilarious, hilarious moment between Tom and Greg. But he recruits Greg to shred all the documents, get rid of the evidence. Uh good idea, bad idea, or you know, neutral idea. How do we feel? I think from his list of options of which he knows, potentially it's a good idea. Uh, all the little secret Sith things that we've seen from Greg, it doesn't appear to be a good idea. And we see him with his lovely little ditty. This one goes away. This one saves the day. (laughs) (laughs) Can we, can we add that to the uh, Greg and Tom? Greg and Tom. This one goes away. away. This one saves the day. (laughs) Greg is chopping it up. Chop, chop, chopping it up. Greg is chopping it up. (laughs) Uh, yeah, man. I, I think Tom's underestimating her boy, Greg. I do. I think he, you know, is thinking, uh, what's the worst that could happen? He's like a dipshit signing his name to the, you know, intake, outtake log of the documents. And if this goes south, 
there won't be any questions asked. All the fingers will be pointed to him. And then we get our, uh, our boy, Greg, not so dumb after all, making copies of those docs. Mm, keeps the folder, puts it in his LL Bean backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little touch, you know, like he's still got this backpack likely from high school. Um, high school. I'm saying like fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I love it when he it talks to the shady shredder guys, like the clearly like totally under the radar, like probably keep a bunch of white collar criminals out of jail guys. And uh, he's like, yep, bunch of corporate materials headed for an extra shredding. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's like, don't say anything to him. I just love the, uh, the, he's he's just trying, he's grasping to make things not as sketchy, even though he knows. He knows that he's involved in basically corporate espionage every second. Let's not forget that he's like also super high from Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Roman doesn't smoke that swag, bro. (laughs) Got that good, good. Uh, This feels like a Watergate scenario, and I don't remember (laughs) studying that, but I believe I'm correct in saying they all got fucked. (laughs) Uh, It's a great little plot line, and it could not be a funnier like sort of situation to throw Greg into just to watch him and like frantically high as shit, like shredding documents and keeping his own little folder. So hilarious moment there. Let's move into Connor and Willow. We don't talk a lot of Connor. Connor. I feel like he hasn't had a lot going on, but this one, this episode, he doesn't really do anything big, but he does have, he brings Willow, his, uh, his, his beloved call girl, <laughs> uh, which, you know, for those that are not familiar with the call girl industry is, you know, a woman that you, uh, that you pay to theoretically go on dates with you, but a lot of people just, uh, you know, bang them or whatever. He brings Willow to the freaking Thanksgiving and everyone's like, uh, I can't believe that you actually brought this horror to the wedding, but okay, whatever. I mean, like is you were any- joking, as Marcia says. <laughs> is anyone else getting like, not a full blown, but maybe like small reference possibly to like a Harvey Weinstein situation where it's like, Willow's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I need this part. I need my shit to get financed. You know, I, I'm, I want to make it um, if that requires sleeping with Connor. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I can do that, I guess. <gasps> you know, it's like, that's kind of, I don't know. It's, it, 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 yeah, I don't want to just completely downplay the fact that Connor's, or I mean, Willa's not, you know, trying to make it big. She's got to do what she's got to do. And that unfortunately, I guess, looks like being with a person that has the uh, mental capacity and intellect of a small child. Yeah, but he owns the aquifer. <laughs> controls the water. He does control the water. I think he's a survivalist. <laughs> uh, she, I'm, yeah, I mean, if I recall correctly, she seemed pretty surprised when he offered. I mean, obviously, the let's make this, let's take this to the next level, whatever that means. But when he offered to fund her, it seemed she seemed really taken aback to me, and I don't know if she had been rehearsing her reaction and waiting for that, or if it, she was genuinely surprised, but I, I guess I, I don't know what Will's after. I mean, obviously the, the tall guy D cause she's interested in Greg too. Oh yeah. The, you can tell in the apartment scenes. So. Uh, yeah. Let's go to the Greg school of dating for a couple seconds. Uh, would you guys rather be trapped in a swimming pool with a shark or a cage with a tiger? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, uh, I guess a swimming pool with a shark. He's like, me too. You can totally punch it in the nose. And like, you can tell he's totally vibing with this chick. Cause she answers a stupid ass question. Uh, Dude, hypotheticals make the world go around. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They do in law, unfortunately. But it's really funny. Like Greg's just not necessarily the best uh, talker to women, but he is indeed infatuated with Willa. And I think I think there, like you said, Chief. I think there's some uh, mutual interest there. I think Willa's kind of liking what uh, Greg's putting off and is ready to 
put it down if you know what I mean. I don't mm. know. Yeah, definitely possible. Also, really love the part where there's like this romantic moment between Willa and Connor. And then at the end of it, he just goes, hey, slap me in the face. <laughs> and she's like, slap you? And he's like, yeah. And she like slaps him and he's like, oh, you're such a good girlfriend. <laughs> it was like, it just go, it just reminds you like, oh, um, this is definitely a transactional situation. And, uh, and he's like definitely a deviant probably. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot Connor, of hard stuff going Connor on. Connor might be the most damaged of all the Roy children. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. A lot going on with Connor. Um, well, as the late great N Bonaparte used to say, if your bitches ain't slapping you, you ain't really living. Yeah, yeah. But wait, no, did, did he really say that? Oh, that was me trying to be like Greg. Sorry. Well, I hadn't I hadn't heard of N Bonaparte until right now, but I do have a quote. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. The Thanksgiving from hell. Uh, we get Roman and his girl break up. Roman's also pissed that a, a turkey giant turkey movie that he hated is doing really well. Uh, and the jerkies overruled him when he tried to oppose it. And the guy just clearly can't handle anything. He acts like a petulant child when anyone succeeds. It isn't him, despite the fact that the, the movie industry is very fickle and he should know that. Uh, it's a it's a funny episode. There's a lot of stuff going on. And Roman's just sneaking around just saying fucked up shit to everybody. One of my favorite lines not come out of Roman's mouth is uh, they, they kind of shit on Roman and his girl shit on <laughs> Shiv's candidate. <laughs> And uh, and she's like, oh, that's that, I never hear that sort of thing from family on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Shiv just is, is, is sharp all the time. Yeah, Shiv is sharp, but you know, pun intended with her name. But uh, the the part where they're uh, Logan showing like his like medals that he collects, and so Roman's girl says, "Roman, you should really get a hobby like that." And, he, and Roman goes, "I do have hobbies." And Shiv goes, "Killing hobos is not a hobby." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's that's an amazing amazing quote. Like. I want to like put that in my data bank and use that to someone sometime. And and then even better, I think is Roman's like little smart Cheshire grat, uh, cat smile right after that. He was like, that's pretty fucking good. Like he, he can acknowledge when yeah. someone like throws a Roman line at him and uh, he can appreciate the wit of his siblings as well. If anybody is to, is a good sharpening stone. I think Rome is a good one. So Shiv and Rome being the youngest kids, I think they probably had some great interactions growing up. Like they perfected their bantering, Probably beyond any of the other Royce out there. Ewan and Logan and Kendall. Uh, Kendall trying to, I guess I guess you call it, uh, work in the halls with the votes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's got Frank on his side. And eventually we see at the end of the episode, which maybe we should talk about the, uh, the final Thanksgiving scene. But he gets Jerry on his side. And, and he tries to get Ewan on his side. And he is shitting his pants for the entire elevator ride back up to the top of the building uh because ewan forgot his hat uh <laughs> and then he announces <laughs> this is my greg line he announces that they're all a, a pit of viper or nest of vipers looking to i, I can't remember it squeeze you to death or strangle you and uh oh greg i, I think that's boa constrictors actually <laughs> oh man uh, but yeah i think we do need to talk about that scene though uh iverson they play a fun game and logan ruins it and iverson approaches grandpa and calls him out on not being able to remember all the items on the list and uh takes one of the face like a champ yeah i i i got that i got that match going nine rounds with the judge's decision at the end of uh you know between logan and iverson but uh otherwise uh yeah i mean it's it's clear there's a power play going on in in the top more in the power play category but um yeah there's a lot of just 
struggling for board votes at this point. There's a lot of setup for all that and, and, uh, and, and a lot of good moments like that between the characters and the, the Ewan thing of like, I like how Ewan doesn't let him know what he's going to, you know, like he, 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 he knows that Kendall's freaking the fuck out, but he, and he knows he's just going to get his hat, but he lets Kendall freak out like the whole elevator ride. Uh, and yeah, Ewan's definitely like not a nice guy, but more, I guess, like supposedly more virtuous, you know, has his standards that he thinks. And the question is whether they are really virtuous or not, but uh, he's a really funny, funny character to watch interact with everyone. Seems to like Kendall at first. Like, you know, he, he's being mean to everyone, but Kendall walks up and goes, Uncle Ewan, long, long time no see. And uh, Ewan kind of does, gives him the up down and goes like, likewise. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's like the nicest thing he says the entire episode. But uh, a lot of good stuff going on there. Any more uh, discussions about the episode before we move into categories? Uh, yeah, I want to say something real quick, kind of to echo off of what KCB said. And that's, I to me, I think if Kendall has any doubt left in his mind um, on whether or not he should, you know, initiate the coup, seeing his son slapped across the face by his grandfather on Thanksgiving is the final straw for him, you know? And I mean, shit to a a further extent, it's like, I think that convinces Jerry even she's like, all right, let's do this. I mean, this guy's, he's lost it, you know? Um, but I would pose this to the both of you earlier. We were discussing where we thought Logan was mentally, but do you see him hitting his grandson more a byproduct of possibly his deteriorated mental state or that's just who he is, you know? Um, like, like how many times have Kendall and Roman been struck by Logan Roy? Exactly. What, what do you, what do y'all think? Mm, I think that it was, I think it was an accident to be honest with you. Like he was definitely being more aggressive than he should, but I think the, what, like, I think like, uh, he was trying to pull the can back and like it slipped and then he hit him with the can across the face, hit Iverson. I don't think the strike was intentional. I really don't. No way. But no I also, th- I also think that he would do that on purpose. Um, and, uh, and th- obviously the, the deteriorating mental state is that he can't remember any of the damn, I went to market, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things at, at the time that of course later remembers, you could tell he's yeah. Yeah. vacillating between consciousness and not, but, uh, I don't, I think that was a, I, I, I didn't think that I didn't, when I've, I've watched this episode a couple, three, three times now, and I, I did never view it as intentional, but I, Hey man, that's I'm, just like my opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting my bucket or I'm putting my uh, vote in that it was intentional, the swing and the strike, but I don't think it was a lucid moment. I think he was, I think he, I think it was instinctual to get, to get to your question, Farmer Barn. I think he's done that so many times in his life and he may not have intended to do it at that point, but it's, it's like muscle memory. Like, Oh, your kids are disobedient and you've got a bit of a temper. So you swing at him. And so I, I don't know if he did it lucidly, but I think it was intentional. Yeah, man, I, I'm kind of torn to be honest. I mean, it definitely seems like for me, it arose out of frustration, which obviously this goes for all of us. Um, this is our plug of child abuse is not okay, guys. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, not that that makes it okay, but it, it was as if he got so frustrated with, I think, the game himself, the fact that it was, you know, the child in the room that was calling to attention that, you know, Grandpa Logan isn't all there um i think it was intentional and i almost err on the side of we're probably set to find out more and more that you know 
growing up, he, his form of discipline with the kids kind of like Kansas city said, um, wasn't just verbally berating them, but also if he needed to given the back of that hand. Yeah. I think, I think Logan resorted to physical violence, whereas Ewan would have just stuck the kid out in the wolf pen for the night. And if you survived the wolf pen, then you were, then you were worthy of coming back into the house the next day. Whereas Logan just wanted to hit some kids, which is, that's how Greg became as tough as he is. Yeah. Yeah, Tough as nails. Uh, you and just, uh, destroying his soul any given time. Yeah. Once it gets a little colder outside, we'll see his wolf pelt. He'll, he'll bust that out. Maybe that's why Greg, uh, asked Willow what he did. You know, he's been through both. You and stuck him in a pool with a shark as well as a cage with a tiger. <laughs> He's speaking completely from personal experience. Which I, makes wish decision. He, I wish he would have ended that whole exchange with that. Uh, I'm just, I'm asking because I've actually done both. I, I have punched a tiger in the nose and it works exactly like they say that it should. <laughs> All right. Get to categories. Good I know points, that you're, points. I know that you're waiting. Here he goes. Like some part of you is turning blue right now, mm. probably because you've just had all this uh, anticipation of climax mm. uh, as we move to categories. So, what, <laughs> what is there something blue in your life right now, Sam, that you want to tell us about? Well, my brother is an ex Scott. He's an ex Canadian and he's an ex human being, but he's still my brother and he would drink Blue Note bourbon, which is uh, the Barber sponsor, of course. It is a locally distilled in Memphis small batch bourbon that is smooth in the Roy family. Select bourbon, be noteworthy, Memphis, and check out. Blue Note Bourbon. Let's get into categories. Categories. All right. Who gets the most buckets in this episode? Our category for best acted. KCB, give me your best acted most buckets. Who gets 30 in this episode? I think it just goes without saying. Tom is just great. Uh, But because he's finally... Finally, a part of the family. Uh, I'm going to give it to Ewan. Uh, he he has that reservedness that makes him sort of majestic. Um, as Marcia says, they're two old stags. They're noble stags. Um, and Ewan, Ewan seems to actually display those noble properties. Um, he served in the war, and he, he doesn't get Logan stations, uh, except for when he goes to his favorite noodle shop. Um, <laughs> and all of his lines are just... <laughs> You can tell he's a badass, just the same as Logan. You can tell that he's made his life decisions and he's living exactly the way he he would appear to want to be. Um, but it's just a a great um, introduction to the series. I think James Cromwell is the actor, and um, he he definitely, I guess, holds his own with this cast of characters that we've seen now for four episodes, and we've seen do their best and um, kind of capture moments. Um, he's not the guy who's going to deliver the funny one-liner, but he he's, has the last word many, many times throughout this episode, and he's doing it well. Shout out to James Cromwell. My pick is Tom, as you alluded to. This guy puts on a freaking black turtleneck and is ready to eat some turkey. Love his outfit and uh, yeah. love, just love everything about him in this episode. He's just like every line he delivers to Greg is hilarious. No matter what he's saying, he like I love when he repeats Greg's name. Something about it really trips me. I was like, "Come on, Greg!" He's like, "Don't make this a big deal, Greg." Like, and, and he's like, "It's just a job, Greg. Like you just got to do your job, Greg." And Greg like, has oh. been waking up with cold sweats for the last several months ever since he started there, and just hearing that name 
Greg. Come on, it just, Greg. just sits up at bull right in night. You know in uh, cartoons when characters get knocked out and they have like the six birds around their head, it's uh, six tom heads around Greg's, and it's Greg, <laughs> Greg, Greg. Get up, you lump of fucking turducken. <laughs> That's exactly, exactly what Greg sees. Uh, nightmare scenario for Tom uh, in, in Greg's dream, so... Uh, it's really funny, and he's just great. I mean, he, he owns every scene he's in. Every time he's on the screen, that's who you want to watch. So he, uh, he gets the most buckets in this episode. And his plot that he involves Greg in only serves to increase the hilarity of their relationship as the season moves forward. Farmer Barn, what you got, man? I got to go JC, James Cromwell. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Babe, dude. Right? Oh, quick, quick little Babe aside. So uh, y'all may, may not know this, but... The writer-director of Babe was also the writer and director of the entire Mad Max series. I know that. Of the of a live action Babe or the actual the car- animated cartoon? The live action Babe. Oh. Uh, he did he did all the Mad Maxes, including the most recent one, Fury Road. Right. Miller, and he also George did Miller? Yeah, George Miller. He did Babe. He did Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> yeah, of course, the, the much revered sequel. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road. It, well, here's the kicker. He also did Happy Feet, that penguin movie. <laughs> All right. Incredible IMDb from my dude, George Miller. Like you just run through there. Incredible. Okay. Okay. Moving forward. Uh, Cro- you were giving Cromwell some love. Dude, I don't even know if I have much to say after that. <laughs> my mind is honestly so blown over the fact that George Miller directed Babe and Mad Max Fury Road as and well as feet, fucking Happy Feet. That uh, No, I'm going to go James Cromwell. Ewan as well. I think he's great. Um, he really owns the character. Hell, I feel like maybe maybe Greg's picking him up from the pig farm straight out of Babe, you know? <laughs> it could be the same two characters. This is exactly as one of those sort of scenarios where he just comes straight off another movie and he's suddenly the same guy in a different complete plot. Yeah, for sure. It's like he would have played the dad on Babe like 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I'm Mandela affecting myself right now, telling myself that he was the dad in Babe. So. Cromwell was. Oh, he was? Yeah. Are you kidding? He's the battle do pig. Yeah, you idiot. That's why we brought it up. Oh, I thought he said something in this episode. No, no, he was. <laughs> hey, oh, she, well, yeah, no. Correct me uh, if I'm wrong. Wasn't he? Was he nominated for like? Wasn't he nominated for an Oscar for Babe? I don't know about that, but well, while we let uh, KCB just return from the ashes of his defeat just then. Just completely and utterly fucking up in every single respect. Uh, the Pythagorean like, theorem and cosine <laughs> waves are floating around my head right now. Dude, uh, around the room. there's fireworks coming out of my head. Uh, you're like, oh, dude, he he really did remind me a lot of the guy from Babe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, is he fucking with me right now? Or no. uh, I, I only saw Babe once as a kid. I saw the biggest turkey in the world, obviously, dozens of times. But I only saw <laughs> Babe once. <laughs> How would he? Of course, he would, would see a turkey that big. That's preposterous. <laughs> Talking the plot of like a kids' movie. Oh, it's amazing. Okay, so good, good, good picks. Two for Ewan and one for Tom. Uh, next category, we got to have our guy Farmer Barn introduce it in the way that only he knows how. One, two, three, four. Greg and Tom. Greg and Tom together covering up corporate fuck ups. <laughs> And there it is. This, of course, is the Greg and Tom category, which is our our favorite moment between our two lovable characters and their hilarious antics 
I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be the, the, you know, the shredding and just the, everything related to that. And the, uh, just the whole like recruiting of him and uh, all, all of everything Tom says to Greg in this episode is hilarious. And just all, all we, we've kind of talked that plot line, uh, in this episode already, but was there anything y'all wanted to add to the Greg and Tom category? No, not really. I mean, for me, I would just honestly say that it feels like, um, these two actors and in turn their characters, like the rapport between them feels like it just builds and gets better and better with each episode becoming more and more familiar with each other. And so to me, it's just, it's funnier and funnier. And it's, uh, so yeah. All right. I think I organized my thoughts in my head. Tom has just set himself up for his inevitable collapse with this sending Greg off to shred the documents and Greg's got him in his, his LL Bean book bag. Um, but their, their interaction so Tom is wearing a reminiscent of Steve Jobs uh, turtleneck in the episode. But if I don't know if you guys saw the Steve Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher uh, playing Steve Jobs. But Greg, his whole look looks like Steve Jobs in that movie, like looks like Ashton Kutcher in that movie. <laughs> like if you like held up two screenshots of Ashton Kutcher playing Steve Jobs and Greg talking to Tom, it's like, old Steve Jobs talking to young Steve Jobs. And that was all I could think of this when I was watching it. Was like, because Tom had his uh, Steve Jobs polo on. I <laughs> absolutely know what you're talking about. Too. I, I hadn't drawn that comparison, man. He's kind of crazy. Like uh, Ashton Kutcher really reminds me of that guy that played Steve Jobs in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do pig. That'll do. <laughs> uh, I had to roam in your ass for a second there. Yeah. Good, good talk. We've, we've already talked about this, so we'll move it in the next category. Six man slash woman award makes the most of limited screen time. Who's your pick, FB? Oof. Um, dude, I'll go Marsha. I mean, I know, I feel like she's kind of a recurring pick for me, but she she low-key makes some, some fucking moves in this episode. Um, you know, hell, I could even do her for, for power play, but I won't. Um, I got someone else in mind, but I mean, think about she not only gets you in to come, um, which, you know, what's the motive behind that? Is it really that Logan's not in the greatest of health and she wants to see brothers long estranged finally reconcile? Or is it, maybe it's like Kendall. Maybe she's wanting to have a conversation with him about his board seat. Better yet, we never discussed how she nonchalantly, or I think maybe it's Logan nonchalantly announces that her fucking son is now like assuming this huge corporate position. And where was it? It was like somewhere overseas, Europe, Disneyland, Europe or something like that. Yeah. Animation. And yeah, I mean, Kindle, like other people are like, wait, what? Um, which I think is a pretty interesting perspective and look into, you know, we've said all along, at least I have, that I have this theory that she is trying to make moves behind the scenes. And maybe it's not as much about her ultimately assuming the throne as it is seeing her son, you know, um, this is possibly the start of his meteoric rise in Waystar. No doubt. Yeah. Um, I think that is a good pick and, and it will maybe talk a little bit more about Marsha as the episode goes on. My pick is, is Kieran Culkin Roman. Uh, I really enjoy his, his antics throughout the entire Thanksgiving. I like when Ewan leaves and is pissed and, uh, Roman before he walks out goes, so other than that, you had a good time then? After like you and just roast the entire family, <laughs> and then uh, you and like fuck off, and then like Roman just gets his his smile that he gets 
Uh, I love when he and his girlfriend or wife or whatever, baby's mama get into it. And he's like, all right, well, it sounds like we have reconcilable differences and uh, we need to have the talk. She's like, what talk? And he's like, you know, the whole, and he just goes through, like he breaks up with her essentially, but then goes like, blah, blah. Like he says like two breakup lines, then he goes, blah, blah. And it's just, it's an amazing rapid fire. It's good. Okay. Well then clearly we have uh, irreconcilable differences. So we need to have a talk. What talk? What talk? Um, I'm not in a place right now where I can blah. Uh, it's not you. It's blah. Uh, I'll always care for blah. Please delete those pics of my cock and blahs. Blah, 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 blah. That fucking talk. Oh, okay. You want to talk about that? You want to talk about how we only fuck once every six months? Oh, fuck you. You got plenty. You want to talk about that? That's not fun to talk about? Really funny doing what he does best. Just starting fires and walking away and leaving the fire going. Not looking to how many deaths happen or if like <laughs> an entire forest catches fire. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, he, and, uh, and certainly he only cares about himself. So Roman Roy, my pick. Yeah. Uh, my sixth man for this episode, I, I want to give it to Shiv. Um, I don't know why, but I guess it's, it's just the way she left me feeling after this episode. Like she's, she's getting pretty scandalous with Tom. And I think it's because of Tom's reaction too. like, he, you may think in the first few episodes and you may still think in the first few episodes that he's just a social climber, that he's maybe just trying to get into the Roy family, which he knows he is, but his reaction to Shiv, you know, potentially being uh skin or uh, philanderous in their marriage. And he's kind of pretty heartbroken about it, or he's very good at acting. Um, but she's just so nonchalant about it. And earlier in the episode, um, when they're in the car and she gets pissed off about him talking to his mom. <laughs> um, I just, I kind of want to give it to Shiv this episode. And yep, she's I'm good. Stop justifying my answer. Mm, mm. The proper amount of justification you just had. Power play indicates a particular mover and shaker moment where someone does something big in the jockeying for power. My pick is Marsha. As Barn alluded to earlier, she has orchestrated this entire dinner, invited people that we know wouldn't normally be there in order to get everyone on Logan's side. And she wants to sway people back. She thinks that she can feel that people are starting to feel that Logan maybe isn't all there. So she, she plans this thing, has them all come over, tries to assist him in every way possible, got her son hired by the company in a, in a position of power. Logan didn't even know it. At one point, Logan asks, like, what are we supposed to say about like, you know, her son's name? And, and she just kind of shushes him. So she, you know, she's definitely making huge plays behind the scene here. And uh, that's why Ewan's there. You know, Ewan hasn't been doing a thing. They haven't seen each other in years. And so she, she specifically invites Ewan, then tells Logan that, you know, she, that Ewan reached out. And Logan even calls her out and says, you're a pretty good liar. Uh, and that's a great little scene, too. But, yeah, and Marsha's, she understands what's going to happen. She understands that at this point, Logan's in danger of losing his power, uh, being voted, uh, not, you know, a vote of no confidence in him. So she's trying to jockey everyone on his side. Uh, I'm going to give it to Greg. Or this one goes away. This one saves the day. Uh, real heads up moves. He he doesn't know what happened at Watergate, but he knows that it fucked him. So he's trying to avoid that uh, at all costs. And I'm wondering if maybe he did something else, like with the sign-in book or with a fake badge or something too, just to like double insure himself. Because you don't, I don't. Maybe you do. I'd have to go back and watch. But maybe he gives him his real employee badge, or maybe he swiped Tom's badge from his bag on the way to the the office and signed a fake name when he signed in to shred the papers secret Seth all the way. But I think, uh, Greg jockeyed for power here in a real big way this episode. Uh, I'll go, I'll go the inevitable and that's, um, Kendall. I mean, he's, he's set into motion, you know, the coup and I think it's going to be to, um, 
quote another one of my favorite HBO shows, man. If you come at the King, you best not miss. Omar. uh, Omar's coming. And uh, yeah, Kendall's coming, man. It feels as if like all of this is leading up to his moment to rid himself of his dad or finally boot his dad out of Waystar. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, this is the beginning of of the payoff for him. and, And we shall see if it ends up working out in his favor. Indeed, indeed. We'll see uh, soon. Highly anticipating episode six for ooh, this. You should. You I should. am so anticipate, anticipate, anticipate. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should, spoiler: It is really, really good. Episode six is really good. So get excited, man! And uh, and you know, Similar definitely to the, the board vote that takes place in the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, yes. I need one more board member, <laughs> chair, president. <laughs> okay God, stop I that just close my stop. eyes it's like i'm there you know? <laughs> no really for sure for sure i actually did all the overdub uh thomas writes all the dialogue for greg in succession and i did all of the adr for bane in the dark night rises a lot of people don't know that dude a lot of people think Tom Hardy did that, but... what have i told you like we, we're not gonna be telling people that remember yeah. oh shit my bad hbo's still paying them royalties right yeah exactly it's part of our secret life <laughs> good 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 yeah kindle's got a lot going on here man he thinks that uh you know he doesn't care about loyalty. It might be one of the seven dwarfs. He's not sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot going on in Kindle's brain. It's certainly a lot of power plays being made here. Fuck off category when someone is especially cruel. I go with Roman, man. I got two Roman picks here. He, he is really fucked up to his, his like fiance, wife, whatever. And, you know, first of all, breaks up with her because she like watches the movie that got made despite the fact that he opposed it. And then at that last scene where it shows her leaving, you know, packing up her suitcase and leaving his apartment, he's just looking at his phone. He doesn't even look at her, like doesn't say a word to her, doesn't even give her a glance. Just amazing. Like just amazingly cruel and emotionless person. Uh, so that Roman said, sayonara, sayonara, sucker. You're not getting any of my delicious money or whatever he says. Yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> he's uh, now Roman's out on the prowl, man. He's not going to be, uh, he's not going to be using his phone to pleasure his woman anymore or seducing uh like waiters to uh, i guess to get off i don't really understand what he was doing there but <laughs> roman said fuck off this episode who y'all got and you never will understand um i'm gonna bounce off that because my fuck off moment is gracie uh calling him out on sex once every six months uh i think that is great roman gets it flipped back in his face and obviously he doesn't care but just the fact that someone gets to say something like that to roman was my uh my favorite fuck off moment of the episode She's like, do you want to talk about that? Oh, is that not fun to talk about? Should we not talk about that? Is that not, you don't want to talk about that? There's some good stuff there by her. I'll go with Shiv, dude, and the whole prenup with Tom. That's just, (laughs) they've done a really good job, particularly in the first like two or three episodes of getting us as the viewer to kind of hate Tom and view him as just a huge douchebag. And yet when it comes to Shiv um, and like that conversation, I found myself feeling bad for him. Like, I really do think this guy isn't viewing his marriage to her as much as an opportunity to now be a part of this really powerful and wealthy family as it is like in his eyes, like this is his girl, you know, he's found his, his forever. And, and then she throws this prenup in his face, which isn't something to be, it isn't totally unexpected or anything like that. But leaving out an infidelity clause and basically admitting to the fact that she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be fucking around on you. 
It's like, wait, what? No. And, and, and like the whole way he tries to play it off too, where he's like, well, I don't even need to read it then. I'll just go ahead and sign. I hereby comply. Yeah. <laughs> just like, no, oh, in my head, I've already signed it. <laughs> just no, just no, babe. Like he's just the classic, like, I love you, babe. Like just whatever you want, babe. Like <laughs> definitely that guy. Uh, no doubt. I love when she's like, yeah, they put uh, you know, parachutes on the plane. They don't expect him to crash. He was like, yeah, well, I would want to die on impact. Like I wouldn't want to. There's like that quick. There's a quick uh, line in there about that. It's good stuff, man. Uh, and I agree. Shiv really just basically says, I'm going to cheat on you, motherfucker. And um, what of it, bro? She come at, she come at me, bro. Him. Power play. That's a nomination. That's a, a uh, oh God, what's it called when they don't win, but they are worth nominating. James Cromwell and babe. <laughs> Oh, we've got five episodes to go this season. I wonder how many times that's going to come up. Oh, that's the last time. Oh, oh good. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I like it in the death pit. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were in it. You're in the pop culture death pit right now. Uh, reciting Roman, the best quote from our favorite man, child, and youngest Roy. What do y'all got? R- Roman's got quite a few little clips in this episode, and he's just throwing darts the whole the whole Thanksgiving. I I like the Kim Jong Pop one. That's that's funny, but honestly, this one. It's not as much uh, like a one-liner of his as it is. It's just like a hilarious exchange of conversation. Um, and it's like when they're going around and like toasting over what they're thankful for to kind of almost piggyback off of what I just said about, you know, Shiv shutting him down and we were laughing about how corny he is, but he says something about how he's like so thankful to be marrying into this family and Roman's like, Oh, you're, you're not going to be marrying Shiv anymore. And like everyone laughs. And then from there, it just like, dude, it straight devolves. That's like when Connor's like, I have an announcement. Will and I are pleased to announce that we're taking the next steps. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, what, what? Like, and he says, we're going steady. It's like, you're going steady. What are you? Nine. (laughs) Roman's like, I'm happy for you, man. (laughs) basically just laughing over like Connor, Connor, that's totally sues Connor over like he's like thank you yeah he like takes it totally authentically like and Roman yeah Roman just says the one thing that no one else wants to you know like would would abide he just says it he supports it uh, and you just know at that moment that for 30 years Roman has been able to just punk Connor like nobody's business (laughs) Even when he was like five and Connor was like 30. <laughs> Connor, oh man, how do you get your mustache to be so pencil thin? I've seen people who like maybe try to do that, but how do you, yours is so naturally pencil thin. And Connor's like, oh, I thank you, Roman. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. I, I, that was going to be my pick too. Um, I, but also, honorable mention, I like the part where, you know, the, he's talking about Willa. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a phrase that's pretty pretty part of the normal parlance there, KCB. But you know, yeah, get there. <laughs> uh, I like the when he's talking about Willa. He's like, yeah, I introduced him. Uh, he, he, I like when he's just like, yeah, he he pays her to suck his cock. Like he just like comes out of nowhere. Like like uh, Greg is finding out that he's a call girl, and like Roman just sh- just appears over the people's shoulders, holding like <laughs> continuously drinking. Like he drinks so much, and he just like it was like the abrupt like brash way to explain it like in the most ridiculous fashion so i just his ability to appear from nowhere like a like a freaking demon is is uh, impressive and makes me laugh like the joker at a fundraiser yeah exactly like that my roman quote comes earlier in the episode after he uh, gets called out by logan for not knowing the population of 
Thailand or fucking wherever. Indonesia, bro. Indonesia. No one knows how to live in fucking Indonesia. <laughs> well, that's what he says when they're in the weight room and Kendall comes to visit him. He's like, he's like, who cares how many people live? In? How many people live in your asshole? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just so mad. <laughs> uh, that was that one got me to giggle quite a bit when he was just venting, and they're just like venting at each other. But Kendall does start listening at the end. I, I remember you saying earlier, like an earlier episode we did, like they're just talking at each other. Neither of them, and they do that so so often. Neither of them actually listens. You can tell that they just love to vent. They they like each other because they let each other vent without actually listening or interrupting the other person. But in this one, Kendall was paying attention, and I'll give him some props for that. Yeah, uh, he's like, dude, so patronizing. Like he kind of, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he's like, the, I agree, bro. Fuck him. He kind of yeah. does a little bit of that. So. There is there is some of that going on in a, in a great little moment there between the brothers as they kind of turns that might be something very intense in episode six. Boys, do we have any more on this episode? I got nothing. My head's still spinning about this James Cromwell controversy. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. Hey, that you brought it up that time. Well, uh, I went to market and I got uh, this podcast and uh, KCB and Farmer Barn and and some, and, TV. and some local TV and boys, fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, hey, you guys. Happy Thanksgiving.